0: Pardon the interruption, but I'm Keith Olbermann. You went to see
1: a Broadway show last night, Tony? How was it? I'm Tony Kornheiser. Amazing. You should have seen everyone's faces when I climbed on stage. Uh, So I went to see the Temptation show, which is called Ain't You Proud to Beg, which I really liked. The people playing David Ruffin and Eddie Kendricks were great. And they sang all of the songs. There are times, like they sing a song like Just My Imagination, you hear it in your own head, and you actually want to stand up, and you actually do want to get on stage until so you realize you have no talent whatsoever. <laughs> Welcome to PTI in New York, boys and girls, with Will Off, I'm lucky to be joined by that old Silver Fox, television's own Keith Olbermann. Yeah! Fox, 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 Silver Fox, and we begin today with the great seasonal joy of NFL camps opening up around the country, and the great seasonal fretting over who shows up and who doesn't. One Pro Bowl veteran who did show up was safety Earl Thomas. He showed up at his new digs in Baltimore, but he was talking about his old coach at Seattle, Pete Carroll, to whom he gave the finger in his very last play there. Thomas doubled down, saying, quote, I don't regret my decision. If my teammates felt like it was toward them, I regret that part, but I don't regret doing that to Pete, unquote. Keith, as someone who has battled with bosses, (laughs) do you think Thomas should let go with that resentment? Should we just, since we've both battled with bosses, yes, just take a vote
0: and decide the answer to
1: this? Because it applies equally
0: in both directions. I will say this. Upon 40 years of reflection of 40 years of battling with bosses, each time i battled with a boss, I've remembered it fondly. Each time i battled with a boss in public, I have had later regrets. For some reason, now that we know for sure, definitively, that that's who that finger was meant for, this may linger with him. This may be the definition of this man's career 10 years from now, and I think he'll regret that part so, of it. So, so to me,
1: this is the clarity, I guess, that I was looking for. Yeah, I saw him do that. Everyone saw him do that. Right. Who's I didn't know it was to the fans. Was it to his team? I, I, I didn't know it was to Pete Carroll. We're number one. Right, so I'm happy to know that it was to Pete Carroll. What surprises me a little bit is I always had the sense that Pete Carroll was a player's coach, and players responded well to him. Earl Thomas did not but this it also has to do the backstory is contractual negotiations yeah. and and you know he said he resented it was a phony thing that Pete Carroll was there he'd broken his leg and, and I mean you you think to yourself at some point oh, you've got to let this go you're going to Baltimore, which is another defense first team you're probably going to be happy there and they even like with Ray Lewis and Charles Suggs they they like loud defensive yeah. guys let it go but have we let it go? No. No, not at all. Not at all. The other thing about that that intrigued me was they went, they won one Super Bowl. Yeah. They should have won the next Super Bowl. Yeah, clearly. And all you hear as years go by is about the dysfunction there. The offense hates the defense. Everyone hates Russell Wilson. Now Earl Thomas hates Pete. I and mean, they won a lot of games from people who hate each other.
0: Yeah. I mean, now the truth is out. Where's the book? Somebody's got to write the tell-all book, and it'd be worth it to read it this time. All right, Tony, a trivia question. What time does the early game begin on Sunday in the NFL? The correct answer is 10 a.m. That's for those of us who have lived in the Pacific time zone. Early game is 10 a.m. Late game is 1 p.m. Beach volleyball game is 4 p.m. So there's probably no reaction there to news that the Pac-12 commissioner, Larry Scott, says his conference, which carries the weight of an antediluvian TV contract and is thus being gradually sucked down into the quicksand of irrelevance, has discussed starting games, some of them anyway, at noon Eastern, 10 Mountain, yeah. 9 Pacific. In L.A. and Oregon, all this means is more brunch. But, Tony, are you okay with the Pac-12 maybe kicking off some
1: games at 9? Well, I'm more than okay with it. I think it's the only way that they have. They, they, they were once... The greatest conference in both basketball and football. They are irrelevant now. They have taken the idea of a regional network to an absurd extreme that is very self-destructive. Nobody in the East knows their teams at all. They're not in the championships anymore. I think they have to do something like this. I don't think it's hard to play at 9 in the morning. You know, you're not going to play every game at 9 in the morning, but there's got to be a way that people like me will watch them because we don't see them now. Night games, that's impossible in the East. This is This is smart. They haven't been smart for a while.
0: Well, you know what? The two times I lived in L.A., the first time was at the end of the Raiders-Rams era, and we had four professional teams in L.A. The other three, Raiders and Rams and SC and, and UCLA. Yeah. And then later, when I came back, the Raiders and Rams weren't back there, and it was just UCLA and USC, and that was, that was football in the second largest market. That... The dominance of that and the dominance historically of college football just in L.A. should be enough to carry the TV ratings and thus the influence of the whole conference. Because if you remember, the NFL used to be kept out of Los Angeles because the Coliseum Commission didn't want the L.A. Coliseum sullied by the presence of a pro football team. College football is LA and backwards Always and forwards, has and there's your starting point. If you get them to watch, and you get them to watch over brunch, they can have a you know margarita or something else and have a good time. So I, I
1: mean, you mentioned Larry Scott. Is that the guy? Yeah, name? Larry Scott. Like I didn't know who he was, well, but I don't think he's doing a particularly good job because UCLA basketball and USC football and the Arizona teams really? in both sports and Oregon, Oregon and, and Oregon State, they are never in the national spotlight. You have to do something to get your teams noticed, and they have to be watched. I'm mean, you you nuts. What are you doing? So nothing. Noah Syndergaard, who once upon a time was right there with Matt Harvey and Jacob deGrom when Matt Harvey was still right there, pitched hard last night and was, as he has been lately, OK. Syndergaard's name is widely used as potential trade bait. The Mets appear to be selling, not buying. Keith, Syndergaard is 26. I think he still throws hard. Would you trade him?
0: Uh, If you're putting me in charge of the Met franchise, I have to fire a whole bunch of people first, and then we'll discuss whether or not we trade him. But the question more operatively is, would you trust this group of knuckleheads to make any deal trading a valuable asset like Noah Syndergaard or anybody else? Because Noah Syndergaard and the problems he's had this year are the direct result of the last set of bad trades that Brody Van Wagenen and the new management team of the Mets uh, caused when they traded for Robinson Cano. That set off a, like a chain of dominoes that winds up two infielders playing the outfield drop and dropping fly balls and not getting charged errors for it. And it looks like Syndergaard is less of a commodity than he is. If you're going to trade Syndergaard, yeah. you damn well better get a starting player, major league caliber, right now, Fernando Tatis kind of guy, or somebody who's going to be like that and a bunch
1: of prospects. I don't think you trade him. I don't think you should trade him. So because I grew up as a Mets fan, yeah. I still pay attention even few hundred miles away and it's not that long ago it's like two three years ago Mm -hmm. that their arms were the story now they got young kids who hit home runs apparently they were in the world series so i I, i'm just wondering i'm asking this question they went down the drain with matt harvey because they did not get rid of matt harvey they believed in his ability to come back it did not work would that make them nervous and skittish and say we got to get rid of syndergaard because we can't go through that again
0: I hope not, because they're two different personalities. Syndergaard is very smart, very very funny, very media savvy, and will take criticism. Matt Harvey's biggest problem, apart from the the arm thing that that ruined his career, and he just was DFA'd the other week by the Angels, Matt Harvey's biggest problem was when they said to him, listen, you should do this, that, or the other thing to improve your image, your pitching, your health, he went, screw you, I'm going to a Rangers game. That was his big thing. And that's they're not the same guy, and as much as that's a cautionary tale for, you know, holding on and not buying and not selling He you would time, not get rid of it. I would not get rid of Sindergaard unless it was an overwhelming prospect. And I don't think current management knows who that would be. So I went through a
1: whole baseball thing and I didn't mention the Nats. Are you proud of me? I am very proud of you Okay. You, and you, you got mentioned and not mentioning Nats, Nats, Nats. Thats one a double header. Go
0: ahead. The lead. New York Rangers did it first, I think, put out a press release saying, "We're tearing it down. your favorite players will be traded. Please keep buying tickets anyway. Today's newspaper, The Oklahoman, contains a fulsome op-ed from the general manager of the Thunder Sam Presti. Over the past 11 years, he writes, "We have celebrated and suffered together, experienced moments of extraordinary joy and extraordinary disappointment, said goodbye to old friends and welcomed new ones." Translation, I think. Stars will not stay here. Get used to it." To continue, quote, this summer the story of the Oklahoma City Thunder is transitioning to a new phase. Translation, here is Chris Paul. Please clap. (laughs) One more quote, the next great Thunder team is out there somewhere, but it will take time to seize and discipline to ultimately sustain. Translation, when Paul George said the players and management decided to hit it and quit, he wasn't lying. Tony, does Sam Presti make a case for sustained success in Oklahoma City? I'll get to that, but that's a great
1: lead, and you use the word fulsome, and I really <laughs> like the word fulsome. Thank you, sir. Uh, Sam Presti has no chance of sustained excellence. I mean, let, let us—there are two ways to get better in the NBA, and you have to have a great player to get better. One is you can get a free agent, great player— it's not going to happen in Oklahoma City. Two, is you can draft well, and they drafted well, and they have had in the last five, six years, they've had James Harden, they've had Serge Ibaka, they've had Kevin Durant, they've had Russell Westbrook, they've had Paul George, and what they all have in common is they don't have them anymore. Yep. And they're not. And if you draft well, then that guy leaves when he becomes a free agent. I'm, if I'm in Milwaukee, I'm worried about Antetokounmpo. I don't know how long he's going to stay when he finally becomes a free agent. So. So what Sam Presti is doing is sort of running around the central issue here, which is that small markets have no chance in the NBA. Who just got rich? Los Angeles, New York, Boston, Houston, Miami. Nobody is going to Oklahoma City, so... I I don't know how you you can get better for a short period of of time by drafting well, but you can't hold it. Salary cap permits
0: franchises like Oklahoma City to stay in business. It does not mean you're going to break the Yogi Berra
1: construction, which is if people don't want to go there, you can't stop them. Well, that's why Yogi was always ahead of his time yes. in that regard. But it's the Paul George thing is so irritating to me. I watched him on television say that he and Russell Westbrook decided it was time to pull the plug. Yeah. So they're running that They're running that team. Running decided that team. after one year into a four-year contract it was time to pull the plug, and, and this is applauded? The contract is a suggestion, Tony. <laughs> so not well, you and point. I have both had yeah. that attitude, certainly. Katie Ledecky, the world's best swimmer, got her second silver medal at the world championships today. This one courtesy of a second-place finish to Australia in the four-by-200-meter relay. Ledecky had come to these championships seeking five gold medals, but a mysterious illness characterized by dehydration has caused her to miss two races and underperform in two others. Her last event is tomorrow. It is her signature event, the 800-meters. Keith... How important is it that Ledecky swim in that?
0: It is not important. Get her out of the pool. If she will not do it voluntarily, drain the pool, keep her from swimming. Because the athlete may know their body the best, but they'll also be the best at lying about whether or not they're in good shape. The quotes give it away. I almost stopped and got out. That was Monday, right? Right. I'm not myself. That was Monday. Now, today, she she swims. That went a lot better than I expected, meaning she thought it was going to be another physical problem for her, and the description of her as slightly pale. My conclusion here is she is not suffering from having gone in the pool half an hour after eating lunch. Yeah, it, yeah. It, This seems like not just a question of how is she going to do, is she going to improve on her world record, is she going to win, how is she going to prepare for the Olympics. This sounds like a health crisis in the making that could be averted by some rest at this time
1: so i'm going to agree and disagree with certain points of this it's not important because the world championships are not important the olympics are important only people in swimming know that this event is even going on and everybody else knows when the olympics go on but i will say this as someone who has followed her career she's local for me i know her um, This feels like the first crisis in her life. Yeah. She has won everything to this point. This feels like mortality for swimmers. She's 22 years old, which used to be ancient, but she's a professional swimmer now, so she's going to keep swimming. I think if she gets in the water and she wins, it it, it feels like vindication and a reprieve. And I think if she gets in the water and she loses, she goes, you know what? I was sick. I'll be better for the Olympics. I'm wondering if it's not important to her, actually, to get in this time and see how she does. Is this Kevin Durant in the pool?
0: Is this the equivalent of that? I we don't. don't uh, she, yeah. We don't, because we don't know what the illness is. No, That's we don't.
1: If we had some we better don't. handle of that, we could probably,
0: you could put your doctor clothes on and give her some But real if life. her
1: doctors are saying that, you, you know, that if they're seeing improvement because they put her in the pool today, I'm, I'm just, I'm just wondering if it doesn't feel to her like the first crisis of her life. Slightly Let's take a pale. break. Coming up, the Yankees and the Red Sox start a four-game series tonight. Is it a significant one?
0: And we're not going to be seeing Blake Snell, the pitcher, the Cy Young winner for a while. Possibly more importantly, neither are the Rays' opponents. Most people, when they hear Folsom, think of Folsom Prison. But you used it in the correct way. Overdone, I believe, is is the synonym, is it not?
2: Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life.
1: The Yankees and the Red Sox open a four-game series at Fenway tonight. Let's bring in a man who will be in the booth for the MLB Network, Mr. John Smoltz, in beautiful Boston right now. Let's start with this. The Red Sox won 108 games and the World Series last year. Going into tonight, they're 11 behind the Yankees. Can you tell us why that is, John?
2: Yeah, simply put, they have not pitched well enough. Uh, Full run higher this year than last year. They were dominant at times in the rotation and this year they haven't shown any signs of consistency. Really, when you're running out your bullpen every day, having to score 8, nine, ten runs, I think the starters are close to getting back to where they need to be because for the Red Sox to get to the postseason, it's simply going to be on their rotation. And I think they have what it takes in rotation to not only make the wild card, but once they make the wild card, be a thorn and really defending champs. They have what it takes offensively, I think they'll make a move or two to help out their bullpen. Evaldi's going to go back there. But the simplest answer is they just haven't gotten enough innings out of their starting rotation, which is very talented.
0: Central to that rotation, John, obviously, is Chris Sale. The ERA was two about last year. It's about four now. The war last year was 6.8. He's at 2.3, more than halfway through the season. You're a pitcher. Here's another pitcher who went from perfect to pedestrian at best. Can you diagnose what's happened to Chris Sale?
2: Well, I think a combination of, of what he went through last year and then getting off to a little bit of a slow start, getting connected with his mechanics, I know with Chris Sale, he's got the thorn of always being dominant. And it's hard to be dominant all the time. And this guy knows how to pitch. He doesn't have to pitch at 95, 97. He's got three wipeout pitches. And I think he's getting closer to connecting with his mechanics. He hasn't been as good location-wise, but he doesn't have to be great. And I think the back-to-back starts are an encouraging sign for the Red Sox that he's on his way to a stronger finish because, let's face it, in the last couple years, everyone talks about how he's kind of trailed off at the end of the year. So maybe it's a little bit in reverse this year, and he won't have to answer those questions as the Red Sox make a push for the playoff. It's going to really be on the arms of Sale, Price, Rodriguez, Porcello, and I think it starts right now in this stretch against the division rivals that they need to pick up some ground.
1: We'll stay with pitchers, saw young winner Blake Snell of the Rays. He is out till September after having arthroscopic surgery on his right elbow to remove loose bodies, which is always scary. Can you explain what that is and how that affects a pitcher?
2: Yeah, I've went through three of those operations, and usually you come back pretty well and pretty quick, uh, but you don't know at the time that you're just not as crisp. You know, I I pitched an entire year and find out later that I needed – surgery to replace three or four of those chips now in the fourth surgery that was tommy john for me personally but sometimes the dynamics of of pitching is not exactly perfect in the elbow no one's got a perfect elbow and from time to time that can flare up you never know when it's going to flare up and getting it removed will be a big freedom for blake snell a lot of pitchers have had this done and coming back is not that big of a deal from a bone chip
1: I would get you out of here on this, and I'm so grateful to say that Keith wanted me to ask you about his yes. favorite team, the Washington Nationals, who started 19 and 31, but by winning a doubleheader last night and during the day, day night, they're 36 and 15 since. Could they be on the Dodgers level?
2: Uh, they could, uh, and let me tell you why. I mean, a month and a half ago I said the Washington Nationals are not done, and they're not going to be trading a bunch of their players. They have too good of a starting rotation. The opposite of what's going on here in Boston is what's going on in Washington. That's why they've had the resurgence. Their top three guys are as good as anybody in the National League can match up with anybody. Their offensive stays healthy. He's got a lot of flexibility. The only question's been their bullpen, and it seemed to have settled down a little bit. That's going to be the race we thought it was going to be in the beginning of the year in the National League East. It's going to get tight, and whoever can pull a trigger and make a trade, that's going to be a difference maker. And, of course, the Atlanta Braves hold the advantage right now, but if they stay pat, it's going to be difficult for them to hold off the charging Washington Nationals with their starting rotation.
1: Oh, I'd love to hear the charging Washington Nationals. Thank you, John. Thank you. John. My pleasure. You can catch John calling the Yankees and Red Sox at 7 p.m. tonight and tomorrow on the MLB Network. We're going to take one last break, but still to come, Odell Beckham Jr. makes his Browns training camp debut. And the Cowboys leave for Oxnard, but Ezekiel Elliott is not on the plane. Loose bodies. Loose bodies. I, I would not want a diagnosis came back. Tony, you union, have a loose <laughs> body. They're union organizers <laughs> in your elbow. Just don't want to have that. Floating bodies. bodies. It's not as technical as I. Happy time, people. Happy 24th birthday, Alvin Kamara. The Saints running back was second in the NFL in rushing touchdowns last season with 14. In only two seasons, Kamara has produced 31 touchdowns for the offense-happy Saints. Kamara's in camp. But the Saints' best wide receiver, Michael Thomas, is not. Keith, the Saints have missed out on the Super Bowl the last two years as a result of a horrifying last-minute touchdown allowed to Minnesota and a catastrophic no-call pass interference against the Rams. If not for bad luck, the Saints would have no luck at all. It's
0: not bad luck. Bad luck is getting Alvin Kamara in the fantasy draft for a dollar and then cutting him in week three, which is what I did. That's bad luck. No, that's
1: dumb. That's dumb luck. That's just dumb. dumb. That's just dumb. dumb. Not-so-happy anniversary, Zach Borenstein. On this day two years ago, The then Reno Aces outfielder miscalculated this fly ball and had the ball bounce off his head and 30 feet over the fence for a three-run homer. This, of course, recalls the most famous major league play of this type a fly ball bouncing off then Rangers outfielder Jose Canseco's head and over the wall for a home run. Keith, do you remember that one at all?
0: I have no memory of it whatsoever. I don't even know what happened to some of the memorabilia from it. It's not anywhere that I know whatsoever. That's the hat! That's the hat. Unbelievable! And was it covered a completely empty head? You see the see the echo in there left over from his thoughts.
1: That's fantastic. Happy trails, Cody Bellinger, the front runner for the National League MVP, suffered his first ejection last night when he argued two strike calls with home plate umpire Dan Isonia. Iasonia. Iasonia. Look at these pitches; they are outside by significant margins. Keith, a robo-ump would not have blown these calls.
0: Those are nothing. The Twitter account Umpire Auditor keeps track of this. The worst call this year, a strike on Brandon Dur- Drury that was 8.64 inches off the strike zone by Chris Guccione. Uh, there's at least eight this year of at least five and a quarter inches. I, for one, welcome okay. our robot umpire overlords.
1: One omission. Troy Tulowitzki announced his retirement at the age of 34. Quick to the big finish here we go. Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott not on the Cowboys playing to training camp in Oxnard. Is that a big deal? It has till tomorrow. Would you go early?
0: No. The Steelers extended Mike Tomlin's contracting year through 2021. Significant? I think so. I thought he was
1: on the hot seat. Apparently, he's not on the hot seat if they're going to re-up. Seriously. Le'Veon Bell says he is up for 500 touches this year if it will take the Jets to the Super Bowl. Does that make any sense well, to Well, 500
0: touches, not 500 times carrying the football. Okay. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. made his training
1: camp debut with the Browns. Are you excited? Yeah. He, he made two catches that were spectacular. Look. He's wearying. It's hard, but he is a great player. Last one, Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals, home in for the fourth straight game today. Are you impressed by that? Yeah,
0: because they're 11 of 13 they've won, and he was hitting 250 with fifty uh, 1.5 WAR so far. They could run away with that division.
1: Is that right? Yes. We're out of time. we will try to do better the next time, and I'm Tony Kornheiser. And I'm Keith Olbermann. You can get the PTI podcast on the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts. Good night, Canada. I'm going to Come From Away, which is a Canadian show t-